Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we kicked off a series last week uh, that we're just calling the classics, so we're going to be cruising through that um, this summer. And so we're just going to be going through um, a bunch of the stories and the, the high moments from the Old Testament and kind of pulling some truths to in their life of faith with, with God of what that looks like and how that can help us as we live our lives of faith in Christ. And so last week we, we kicked this off and we looked at Moses and funny enough, ha ha ha, with all the rain today, we're looking at Noah today. And so I was like, isn't that appropriate? Yes. And so, in fact, I saw an ark move down, saw Ross and College Hills. And so, um, and um, for some reason, I wasn't on it. I don't know what's up with that. And so, uh, but the, uh, anyways, but it was, it, it is kind of funny that today we're looking at that. But if you've got your version app open, if you've got your bulletin um, ready to go, we're, we're kind of looking at this concept that the life of Noah shows us what it means to know God better and to trust him more. And we've been jumping into this out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this cloud of witnesses is from chapter 11 of just going through all these people who had, who had lived by faith. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You have a race marked out for you. God has a plan for your life. You're not an accident. You, you, you weren't a surprise to God. God has a plan for you. And if every day we will get up and say, God, I just want to cooperate with what you want done through me. You created me in your image. You have a plan. You have ideas. You, you have things you want to see accomplished in and through my life. And Lord, I just want to cooperate with that. I just want to choose you and choose your way every day. And in that, we'll begin to see our life be what God intended it to be all along. And, and so many times as we're moving forward, it's this stuff. It's these hindrances, these, these sins that entangle us that begin to, to trip us up and to slow us down in us running our race with God. And so, so many times, we, uh, um, one of the things that holds us up the most, and as we're about to look at the life of Noah, um, a lot of times what we think is, is we see everything in this world, we see all of the issues, we see the stuff on the news and our, our, our social media feeds, and we're like, man, there's, there's 8 billion people on the planet, um, what, what, what can I do? What can I do? I see big problems, and I see small problems, and I, and I see things all around, and, but what, what can I do? And as we look at the life of Noah, we're going to see this concept that one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. You can make a difference. And before we dig deeper into the life of Noah, what I want us to do is, is to quickly, I want us to to remove the sterilization that we tend to put on some of these Old Testament people, and especially on the life of Noah. I mean, but you know, when our oldest was, was born, he 
had all of the little Noah's Ark-themed nursery. So when Kenan was born and he had this bedspread and we had the, the, this little lamp and we had all these fixtures and, and we tend to do that with our kids and, and we begin and, and there's, it's sweet because there's animals and, and the rainbow and all of these cool things and, and we forget that what this was about was that humanity had gone sideways big time and God was using Noah to be able to preserve the DNA of humanity, of what he had created in Adam and Eve, and began to just deal with everything, all culture that had gone completely sideways. And we're about to look at how sideways it got. Folks, it's worse, way, way, way worse than what we see today. You think things are bad. No, they were way worse then. But as we see this, we see Noah made a difference. And then all of a sudden we can think of righteous Noah. Noah was this awesome guy. And he was. He had a heart bent towards God. He had a heart that was willing to do some pretty radical things for God. But Noah was not a perfect man. Noah was not a perfect guy. In fact, as we get through the, 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 the flood story and we get through all of that, then, then Noah, the, the ark is, is, is parked there on Mount Ararat. He comes out and he begins to, to plant and to to have a, have a farm and raise, raise different things. He plants a vineyard and he begins to grow some grapes. And out of the grape harvest, he makes some wine. And it's, and it's not Baptist wine, it's real wine. And so, and it has, it has alcohol in his wine. And Noah takes a glass and he pours himself a glass of this real wine. And then he pours himself a second glass of wine. And then he pours himself some unknown amount of wine, and then he gets naked. And then he passes out. And then his sons find him in his tent, naked, drunk, passed out. This is Noah. It's in the Scriptures. It's, it's in the Scriptures. It's in Genesis. You can read the account for yourself. And his boys have to, his, one of them's making fun of him, and, and, and two of them figure out a way to try to not look on their father's shame, and, and they walk in backwards with a blanket, and they cover him up, and, and, and they're having to do different things. Guess what? In our culture, if you're at a place where you are naked drunk, and your kids walk in, you're passed out naked drunk, um, CPS gets called. I mean, I'm telling you, the authorities get involved in situations like that. And this is Noah. This is Noah, this guy who was, who was used. And so many times we can sterilize it and we think that he's just some uptight, stiff, super righteous person. And Noah had his humanity. He had his issues. He had his things. But here's what set Noah apart from everyone else in his day is Noah had a desire to have a relationship with God. Noah is pre-Moses. Noah is pre-Abraham. Noah doesn't have some sort of temple worship and scriptures and all these different things. He has a heart to be able to know the truth, to be able to be in relationship with God, and he pursues it, and God meets with him and speaks with him, and we see that it's not some perfect man that got used in this huge way. It wasn't some perfect guy that got used in this huge way. It was a regular person who had their low moments too. To be a, they got used by God in this massive way. 
just because you've had some low moments and just because you've had some things you, you, that, that you would never want written in scriptures forever. Yes, we have this thing that's about Noah's awesome moments written in scriptures forever, but we have his naked, drunk moments sealed up in scriptures forever. Praise God. We're, you know, with our, our messed up moments, they're not sealed in scriptures forever. But with Noah... We see this, and, we, and, this, and God did this so that you and I could dare to trust him and dare to, to believe that God could still use us. That we haven't, our, we haven't messed our lives up so bad that God can't now use us. God can still use us, and you can be used to make a difference. Let's now look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It said, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And watch this, how every inclination of their thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Every inclination, only evil all the time. This humanity had just gone sideways big time. Every inclination, only evil all the time. They just had no desire for God, for righteousness, for stuff that's right, for, for stuff that, was, <clears throat> that is caring and loving. They had no desire for it whatsoever. And this is humanity. This isn't a couple of people here and there. This is humanity. These are the t- types of people that, that they end up doing Netflix series about. That these people are so sort of bent, whacked out in their brain. And this is everybody. This is the whole, all of creation. And it says, and the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And his heart was filled with pain. God's heart was filled with pain. Please don't ever think that God can't identify with your pain. Please don't ever think that he doesn't have his moment, had, had his moments that, that he had made humanity. And he's like, man, I'm, this things have gone sideways. It says his heart was filled with pain. And so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, remember, it's not because Noah was this textbook, perfect little God-man. No, he had his moments. He had his moments, I guarantee. He, he planted a vineyard and made some wine on the back side of it because he enjoyed wine on the front side of it. He wanted some. That's why he planted it on the back side of it. And so it wasn't because he was perfect, but his, he had a heart bent towards God. He wanted to know God. He wanted to, <clears throat> to have a relationship with God. And so the first place we see of, of Noah making a difference is first and foremost see that, you, that you can make a difference for your family. Verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Now, it's not Noah going in. It's him and his whole family. But God said, I found you righteous. 
I found you righteous, and guess what? Your whole family's getting in on this. Everybody else is getting the benefit of it. You know what? If you will begin to just love God in the middle of, of your life, maybe your spouse doesn't care about God. Maybe your family doesn't care about God. Maybe your children don't care about God. Maybe all of them, or it seems like the things are going sideways. If you will just lean in, I guarantee you'll begin to change the, the trajectory of your household. It will begin to make a difference. Your relationship with God will spill over and touch other people's lives, and it will make a difference for your family. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and you will be saved, you and your household. This Greek word for household, I love this word, and it's this, it's this word called oikos. And oikos means sphere of influence, like a sphere, like a ball. And so, and it is this, you in the middle of it, and it's all this area where you have reach and you have touch. It's this sphere of influence. It is not just your biological family. This household word there in, in, uh, in the Greek is this word oikos, and it's everywhere you touch, everywhere you have. It's your co-workers, it's your friends, it's your extended family, it's all these different things. And, and culture ha has, has shown us, and as we have done some, some studies, that your, your sphere of influence is made up of anybody that you have a cumulative of one hour a week, one hour a week of meaningful conversation. It could be all at once. It could be a little here and a little there. But if it's a cumulative of, a, of one hour a week of meaningful conversation, then that person is in your sphere of influence. Well, guess what? Your coworker that you, whether you're at the, the water cooler and you're at your break time, and all of a sudden, you can look up, and you can have easily had an hour a week. Obviously, everybody in your small group, you, if you're in a small group, this is why small groups are so important. Small groups are so vital. We believe in them so much here. Because guess what? You spend at least an hour of meaningful interaction there. You know what? I'm up on this stage, and if you're here to be and interact, and you're listening, and you're drawn in, and that's fantastic, but this is probably about 30 minutes a week. And it's not conversation. It's making a difference. But you know what? Your small group will have an even bigger impact than your church attendance. It just will. Because that is an oikos. That is the dialogue. That is the give and take. That is where real life happens. Sunday mornings are important. But folks, for the life of your spiritual growth, that, that one hour a week with people who are moving in the same direction... It changes everything. This is why your friends are so important. Because they are influencing you just like you are influencing them. Anybody that you have meaningful conversation of, of at least a cumulative of an hour a week, they are being an influence on your life whether you are aware of it or not. They're in your sphere of influence and, and you are in theirs. And we need to be mindful of the people we're connecting with. And, and as I was studying this out and looking at this, there was a study done a few years ago that men, dads, we need to be conscious of this. Because most dads 
work, 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 and we want to provide and we want to do all that we can. But there's a study that shows that most dads have seven minutes a day or less of meaningful conversation with their children. Well, guess what? Seven times seven is 49. We're 11 minutes short of putting our own children in our sphere of influence. The average dad's kid is not even in their sphere of influence because they're not spending enough time, meaningful conversation time with their children. Dads, we've got to be aware of this. Yes, taking the extra shift once in a while is important. Being able to do the extra stuff is important. Paying the bills and all that's important. But man, those extra couple of minutes every day, those are the most important minutes you could possibly spend with your kid. Most important minutes you could possibly give. And it doesn't take a whole lot to be able to keep that relationship there. We're not saying you have to spend hours every day. If you do, that's amazing. You're way ahead of the curve. Average dad does seven or less. And so, but we've got to be aware of this and we have to understand this. If we're going to make a difference in our family, we've got to have meaningful conversation with our family. Next thing we see is that you can make a difference for your generation. Acts 13, 36 says, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Which means he, he died. But because of our faith in Christ and what God has done, death is not permanent. Wasn't even for David. He was looking forward to the Messiah that was going to come and make a difference in him. So he fell asleep. Folks, every, all of us, we are alive right now in this generation to make a difference in this generation. Not make a difference someday. Yes, we believe it will cascade down. But it, David made a difference in his generation. And it did spill down to other generations. But he made a difference in his generation that's why I love that there's a huge move in the kingdom of God of, of young leaders and young ministers and people who are out there going at it. I love seeing that. I absolutely love seeing it. When I came up in, in ministry 25 years ago, man, everybody was 20 years older than me. Everybody, everybody that was under, understood and embraced and all of the young guys were relegated to, to youth ministry. Not that youth ministry is bad, but they're like, if you're young, that's where you go. You don't get a main stage. You don't get to, to be able to have an influence. You don't get to speak into the direction that church and, and the direction that it's going. But praise God, that has changed. And these young guys in their, in their 20s and early 30s are having a big impact. And man, it is it's so important. And we need to be open to it and embrace it. In fact, we're going to have on July 4th weekend, we're going to have that Sunday our second Young Communicators weekend. And so you won't want to miss that. It is exciting. If you remember last year's, it was awesome. And so we're going to be doing that again, and so it is going to be amazing. But we're believing for the young people to make a difference in their generation. It, it is so vital. And then the last one is that you can make a difference for God. Let's go ahead and let's look at Acts 26 as Paul is retelling to King Agrippa how he came to place his faith in Christ. 
And here in verse 13 of Acts 26, it says, About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as, as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is Paul talking about that he had this, this moment there on this Damascus road and God saying, I want you to do something. I want you to do something. God asking Paul, I want you to do something to make a difference. I want you to go out and to, to share not only what you've already know, but what you're going to see. There's stuff you don't even, you haven't even seen it yet, and you're going to share it, and you're going to testify about me, and you're going to help people to, to, to receive salvation. Salvation is ours in Christ, but we've got to receive it. Those who are sanctified by faith, sanctification is from God, but we receive it by faith. It's by faith that we grab a hold of it, and Paul, and Paul is being sent by God. To the Gentiles, to people who, were, who didn't give a rip about the one true God. Who didn't care about the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, you know what? I care about them and I'm going to send you there. So we see that, that we can make a difference. and make a difference for our family. We can make a difference in our generation. And we can make a difference from God. And to do this. To do this, you usually have to be a little different to make a difference. We have a problem so many times of being a little bit different, but God made you unique for a reason. He made you unique for a reason. And usually the parts of us that we are most uncomfortable with are the parts that are the most unique. Whether it is the way we think or, or, or how we're bent to be able to, to live a life. But the reason God created you that way is because there is a need and there's a place in the body of Christ that your uniqueness plays a huge role. And you don't need to be afraid to stand out in a crowd. Proverbs 29.5 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare. Remember, we want to throw off those things that easily ensnare and hinder us. The fear of man is one of those things that will ensnare us. So many times we think of, of, the, of sin as some sort of habit or something like that. Honestly, one of the biggest sins that we can get wrapped up in is just being a, is holding the esteem of man higher than the esteem of God. That we begin to be more concerned about what our friends and family think about us than what, what God is, is asking us to do and, and walking in relationship with him. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Remember last week we talked about abandoning safe, the safety we make for ourselves, and living by faith. 
If we'll live by faith, we'll actually find ourselves in a safe place. That is where it actually exists. So in this, in making a difference, you may have to do something that's never been done to make a difference. You may have to do something that's not been done. So many times we like to do things, and that's where, where Pinterest completely exists. Everybody finds something out, and they're like, I want to do that. I want to make my room like that. I want to make my kitchen like that. I want to do all of that, and I get ideas. And so many times we need to do something unique. We don't need to take our life in Christ and, and Pinterest everybody else's and say, Lord, make me, make me this. He says, no, I'm making you you. We have to be willing to do something different, do something that's never been done. Years ago, I had a good friend of mine who spent a lot of time on the mission field, and he was, had spent uh, time with this guy in Morocco and had shared the gospel with him, had lots of conversations with him, lots of stuff. This guy was deep into his oikos. They were spending lots of time together over months and months and went back and forth, lots of good questions. And, and finally, the guy was like, I get it. I get it. Jesus is the, is the Savior. Jesus, having faith in it, he's like, awesome, awesome. This guy was born Muslim, raised Muslim. At that time, the, the death penalty still existed in Morocco for leading someone to away from Islam and this guy's sitting here in these cafes and, and sharing and, and this guy finally breaks through. He'd not had anybody. He'd spent years in Morocco and not had anybody come to Christ and finally breaks through and this guy's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I believe you. I believe you. He's like, so you ready to do it? He's like, nope. And he's like, why? Why not? You, you don't have all of your mental holdbacks are gone. He's like, I've just never met anybody who was born Muslim become a Christian. I was born Muslim. I'm just stuck this way. Your way's right. I'm just born this way. I can't help it. And he's like, it was just beating his head. Well, not too long afterwards, his time in Morocco was done. This guy had not come to Christ. And so he began to pray. And, and the guy told him, he said, if I meet one Muslim... One Muslim that was born Muslim that has become a follower of Jesus, I'll do it. I completely believe it, and I'll do it. So the guy ends up leaving Morocco, and sure enough, ends up, he gets, a, gets an email six months later. He says, brother, brother, I have met this man. He begins to tell this thing. He was born a Muslim, and he was a follower of Christ, and I prayed with him immediately. We were meeting, and now it ended up in about a three-month time, there was a small group of six men who had all come to Christ. And this guy had left Morocco feeling like he had just beat his head against a wall. And praise God that that guy found what he needed to be able to, to say yes to Jesus. But you know what I was think, thankful for the most is the guy who was the first one who no one he knew had ever become a follower of Christ, and he saw that, guess what? I'll be willing to step out and do something I've never seen done. I will be a born Muslim, become a follower of Jesus. And then the other was that, praise God for somebody who is willing to do something who, that had never been done. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He's not there in Norway or Finland in one where these big shipyards where there's right there on the water. He's in the middle of dry land. It makes no sense to build this thing. 
He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. He was willing to do something that had never been done. Matthew 28, 20 says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Folks, our bottom line today is that difference makers do things differently. They just do. You're going to have to begin to be comfortable in your own skin. God did not make a mistake when he made you. And there's something stirring on the inside of you to begin to step out and to begin to pursue. And I want to encourage you, do it. Do it. Do it. It makes a difference. See, if God is so for us, since he is so for us, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. God is on our side. He is with us. And you can and will make a difference. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.